Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Your battery is backwards, bro. Just saying. It's got to be the right way. I was dead in the water. I said, uh-oh. Dropping all my stuff, man. I'm going to blame it on Jimmy Don. Hey, how many of you are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? You, you know, th- this time, you know, I feel like I'm going to keep calling it the crazy season because it just keeps coming, right? If we look at where we're at in the world, you know, it's the moment in time where the church can thrive, where the people of God can be victorious. And, and you have to understand that, you know, our kingdom is not of this world. We're just passing through. I know we have a lot of people that, that are political and like to watch the news and be all wrapped up in that. Good luck to you. You know, it does make you mad. I hear about it every now and then. I have to catch up every now and say, man, I didn't know about that, really? You know, which I believe we have to pray for our country. We got to pray for our leadership. We got to use our mouthpiece when we can. But ultimately what? Long time ago, God decided to spin the earth on his finger and put it into orbit. And the same God that was in control is what? Still in control. Now, we got to pray. You know, I think that that's the thing. We got to make sure that we are doing our part so that God can do his part. It's the prayer of a righteous man that prevaileth much. Not the silent man, but the one that prays. The men and women of God doing what God has called them to do, allowing God to do what only he can do. Amen. Um, you know, super excited about uh, the, the vision for this year, the direction we're going as a church, you know, so covering vision 2021. So over the, these last three weeks, we really have unpacked what I believe is the heart of God for this season of our church. Um, it's really cool because I feel like God gives us little goals or strategies or focus points throughout the year. But how many of you know that if you don't plan, you plan to fail? But if I at least have a plan, now it's at least achievable, right? I at least kind of know, hey, when we look at these things, these are our goals. Man, if I hit one or two of them, great. If I don't hit any of them, shame on me, right? Because I really believe that as God gives us a plan, we work the plan, but what is it that happens to those plans? God guides and directs the steps. Okay, so that's kind of the place that we're at as we're walking out this year. So over the last two weeks, we covered God's heart for the church this coming year in regards to people and purpose. And today we're going to begin to look at the importance of God's presence in our lives. I am really excited about this message, the presence of God. What is the presence of God? Why should we be so passionate about the presence of God? So um, two weeks ago, we looked at the focus on people. So people discuss the importance of knowing who you are as a son and daughter of God. You got to know who you are. You got, you got to know that you are in a whole different bloodline. Some of you may say, well, Pastor Noe, I was born into a pretty messed up family. We got any of those? If your family's here, don't raise your hand. Right? You know, we say, look, you know, it wasn't ideal. My, my life situation didn't match up. But let me tell you what, when you come into the relationship with Christ, you are adopted into a whole new family. And being a part of that family is what allows us to know who we are. But if we know who we are and whose we are, we'll be successful people. Okay? So our goal is to invest really this year in people over projects or programs. So some of you may know, some of you may not know, we did a lot of upgrades this year and we invested in the facility. Our goal this year is to invest in you, is that you would grow, that you would know who you are, okay? And then last week we looked at purpose. So purpose answers the question of why you were created. You know, that, I think that that's something that really, if we're honest, we struggle with throughout our lifetime. You know, even though we're adults, I think there's sometimes still that question of why, God, did you create me? Because you, you, you have to understand, you know what the devil's telling you? That you were created with no purpose, you were an accident, and God doesn't want you. If you believe those lies, you have to understand that that is in conflict of what God has called you. You know, he's given you a new name, he's adopted you, and he's given you a purpose and a plan. Okay, so a life full of purpose removes the blindfolds. It releases you to see the why you were created. So two ways that you can really identify your purpose. Look at what you're good at. 
and then look at what you're passionate about. If you can look at those two things and weave those things together, you will probably begin to see your purpose. Because I believe that by, by how God designs us, it's things that we're passionate about, it's things that we're good at already, and we don't realize that that is the gift of God at work it in our lives. You know, I think even this morning as the worship team led us in worship, you realize these guys have gifting and ability in music, right? We wouldn't be like, well, I don't think they're supposed to be up here. Right? We see that gifting. We see that purpose being, but what are they doing? What if everybody up here this morning decided to sit in the seats? Say, oh man, I don't know. Well, who would sing? Who is not a singer in here? Okay, I need all of y'all to come up here, and, and you're going to lead us. We're going we're to get you to serve in not your purpose. Now, it does say make a joyful noise, right? Whatever that is. And it blesses God's heart. But we, so, so if you know you're not a singer, then I would challenge you, well, if you're not a musician or, or a singer, well, then what are you? What has God gifted you with? So when I see people function in their God-given ability, it encourages me. It says, man, they figured out where God, what God has built them for. But don't just say because you're not a musician or a vocalist that God hasn't built you with a purpose, because he has. We just got to figure out where that fits in the big picture of what God has put together. Okay? So that in a nutshell, you know, God has to show you this. So if you miss these last two weeks, go to our podcast. You can check it out. Go to our live stream on our Facebook page. There, there's lots of ways to go back and listen to the messages. I would encourage you that these three messages are going to be the framework of some of the things that we're going to focus on throughout the year. Okay? So today we're going to move forward, and today we're going to look at the importance of purpose, okay, or presence, I'm sorry. Uh, so this is the most important of the three because when you spend time in the presence of the Lord, this is when you really begin to see who you are and what you were created for. It's the glue that puts them all together. If you will st spend time in the presence of the Lord, I believe God will begin to see you like he sees you. Not like you see yourself. You know, you know we can limit ourselves by, by looking at ourselves in our own perception. Flawed. You know, how, how many of you, if you were really honest, if you don't raise your hand, you're lying, but if you were really honest this morning, say, there is something about me that I don't like. Okay, now that same thing that you don't like, how many of you have been beaten up by the devil about that one thing? Same answer, right? Because I believe that the enemy will thrive on those flaws in our life, those, those sinful nature, maybe just that, that humanity side of us. And he'll say, you aren't, you aren't built for an eternal kingdom. Look, you're flawed. But you realize that's why Jesus came, to make all things new, to take those who are, who are not worthy, and in my eyes, not really worth a lot, but yet paid the highest price. So that me and you could be sons and daughters of the king and be called the righteousness of Christ. Man, this is an awesome promise of what the Lord wants to do. But when we spend time in the presence of the Lord, you discover your purpose and you begin to see yourself as God does. So people, it focuses on who we are as sons and daughters of God. The purpose is why you were created. And, and presence is focusing on how to invite the presence of the, of the Lord into every moment. How do we invite his presence into every moment? Now, I know this morning when we come to church, we try to get our mind right. How many of you have that get your mind right kind of Sunday sometimes? Right? You know, hey, come on, we got to go to church. Maybe you're struggling with your kids and you're yelling, you're all kinds of mad, and you got to have a get to, you know, get right with Jesus moment before you walk in the door. Well, Lord, bless it, because, uh, right? We don't want to talk about it, Right? And you come in, oh, Pastor Noe, good to see you this morning. I'm so glad to be here. And you just had a heck of a morning, right? But I, I, we have to, I think, if we, on Sundays, there should be an expectation to encounter the presence of God. If God does not show up among us, why are we meeting? Why are we coming together? What, you know, what, what, what makes it different when the body of Christ comes together than just any other meeting? We've been to business meetings, work meetings, softball meetings, t-ball meetings, coaching meetings, uh, parent meetings, teacher. We've been to all these meetings. What makes the gathering of the, of the believers different? It has to be the presence of God. It has to be. Because without it, everything we do is in vain. 
Now, I'm a worship God of the core, and it's in these moments of deep worship when I'm surrounded by the presence of God that I change in my clarity of what God has called me to be and do. I begin to see that, and I begin to be reminded of that. You ever been in a moment of worship where you don't want to leave? So, Pastor, no, we stay down just a little longer. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's kind of just linger a little bit longer because the presence of the Lord is here. You know, and my heart is to not ever distract from what the Lord is doing, but partner with what he's already doing. Figure out what vein, what he's wanting to do this morning, and then we just walk alongside as he leads and he guides us. I believe God strategically works through the preaching, the message, the worship, everything. He can really work through that. But it's in that moment of his presence that changes everything. So have you ever asked yourself the question, how does God see me? I wonder how God sees me. You know, or do we just make all kinds of assumptions of what we think rather than what God really, how God really sees us? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is in the New Living Translation. Verse 18 of chapter 3, it says, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So He makes us more and more like Him. You know, the King James, it uses the word from glory to glory, from presence to presence we become to be more like Him. It's in those, it's in those moments of His presence that we're changed. It's in those moments of His presence that we discover purpose. It's in, the, in that moment of his presence that we realize that we are the people of God, that he loves us. You realize that in his presence, it changes everything. Every time we're exposed to the presence of God, something changes. We cannot remain the same in the presence of the Lord. You cannot. I think that's why some of us don't like coming to church. Say, man, I can't be there. I feel judged. It's not judgment. It's conviction. If it's sin, it's sin. If you're living in sin and you come to church, God's going to deal with you. It's not my job to deal with you. You realize that? Pastor Noe is not the bad guy. He's just the mouthpiece that God is using. But it's his spirit that does the work. So that the Holy Spirit comes and convicts the world of, of unbelief or sin or a lack of faith. But God really wants us living righteous lifestyles. But that conviction will come. That conviction is a good thing. We want conviction in our lives our whole life. We don't ever want to get to the place of where we don't no longer have conviction. If you're at that place this morning, I ask that you would repent and ask for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come back into your life. Maybe you've made goals or you've made commitments to the Lord previously and you've reduced the standard because you're kind of rolling with culture. You know what culture is doing everywhere we look? Reducing the standard. God, I got to understand this is God's standard. This is culture's standard. Let's say we put a standard right here. Guess what? We're still short of God's standard. We've got to make sure that we match what God's standard is. So when we enter into the presence of the Lord, the power of sin is broken. And do you know that freedom is possible? You know, I think a lot of us come in the room. And if you could envision what we look like spiritually, we come in shackled, we come in bound, we come in with all these burdens. And we got an opportunity as we come in to leave those things at the altar and leave without them. Now, some of us have gotten so comfortable being in bondage or being, being tied by the things of this world that, that, you know, even when we remove the chains, we still have marks on our wrists from where those chains bind us. Now, I think some of us, sometimes we come in and we, and we realize that as we worship, as we praise, those chains are loosed and they literally fall to the ground. But we've gotten so comfortable being bound that when we leave, before we leave, we actually pick those chains back up, rebind ourselves and walk out. Not realizing that the power of God was present to remove those chains and for you to never carry that burden again. Do you realize that? That's why I say when we come together, whatever you have need of, guess what? Daddy God has it available for you. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't even matter what I'm preaching. I don't have anything to give you except an encouraging word. But if we can tap into what Father God has for us, everything is possible. Anything is available. What did he say often to those who had need? According to your faith. 
it shall be done. Well, some of you say, well, I'm not receiving nothing, Pastor. Well, where's your faith? Well, I don't think God can do that. Well, there you go. Congratulations, you got what you had faith for. So this morning, let your faith arise. Trust in the Lord. Believe in the power of the cross. Receive all of the gifts that he has for you. And as you encounter his presence, allow his presence to do what only his presence can do. A moment in his presence changes everything. So why is the, why is the presence of God so important in my life and in our lives? I'm, I'm going to read this passage. It's a little lengthy, but just stick with me. Exodus 33, 12 uh, through 23. So this is when Moses went to the mountaintop and he experienced the glory of the Lord. Exodus 33, 12 through 23. I'm going to start in verse 12. This is in the NIV. It says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and I have, you have found favor with me. If you are pleased, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. You know, I think it's funny because what does Moses say here? He's trying to remind God, like what is, he says, remember that this nation, you know, that, that this, this is your people. You know, I, I, man, I, I, I hope my relationship with God is this close. I mean, think about, it. he's just saying, hey, remember God, what you said. Remember, we're your people. It's supposed to be taking care of us. And he goes on to say, verse 14, it says, then the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And then he asked the question, verse 16, this, this is really what, what I think gives us some clarity of what I think this passage was talking about. It says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and, that, and your people unless you go with us? So he said, unless my presence goes with you, how will people know that? And he, and he says, what else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Moses said, now show me your glory. Okay, before I go into there and I unpack what the glory was and how the response and what it actually looked like and, you know, how it felt to a physical man, let's look at this. What will distinguish me and our people from all the other people on the face of the earth? In that passage, first and foremost, God remembering us is a big thing, right? You know, he pleads with God. He says, remember us. We want to be remembered by God in, in times of chaos. Amen? Okay. Secondly, finding favor. Do we want favor? Absolutely. But what is the last thing? What will distinguish you more than anybody on the face of the earth? The presence of God. What do you say? If the presence doesn't go, we don't want to move from here. That was, the, that was one of the most, he said, if your presence does not go before us or with us, we're not moving. If your presence is right here, guess where I'm staying? Right here in your presence. If your presence begins to move and I realize your, my, your presence is leaving, I'm going to say, hey, come on, let's go, pack up, we got to go. Presence is moving. So I think as the heartbeat of a church, we have to find the presence of God and not just chase after it, but live within it. This is totally different. This is, I'm not talking about just on Sundays. And I'm going to bridge, bridge the idea in just a minute. What happens if we live in the presence of God Monday through Sunday? Man, our church service is going to be crazy because you are dwelling in the presence of the Lord. You won't need Sundays just to survive. Sundays will be just a byproduct of your lifestyle. But some of us, we leave the presence of the Lord here. And we don't understand that we are carriers of the presence of God. All right, let me finish this passage. I'm going to get ahead of myself. So he says, now show me your glory. And this is what the Lord says. He says, I will cause all, this is in verse 19, all my goodness to pass in front of you. So his presence was his goodness. His presence was his goodness. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Verse 21. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you can stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. So let me just stop there for a minute. We ask for the glory of God. We ask to see God. And if you're ignorant, you'll ask to see the face of God. 
You know, like, I mean, I think, you know, I think he really thought, man, I, I, I can see God's face. But even God said, you cannot see my manifest presence and live. You know, if, if, if God showed up right now, some of us probably would die. If his manifest presence showed up right now. You realize that? You know, but he, he says, I'm going to cover you with my hand. And as I'm passing by, you're just going to catch the backside as I'm leaving. And then the rest of the story, if you read it, it says he came off of that mountaintop and his face radiated the presence of the Lord. It says men saw him and were fearful. He actually had to put a veil over his face because people were freaking out because he radiated the presence of the Lord. Huh. When's the last time people ran from you because you were radiating the presence of the Lord? Can they distinguish a difference in your life? It's a hard question, right? Can they distinguish the difference? I had a, had a neighbor come over. He doesn't know I'm a pastor. And I hadn't told him. My father-in-law was there. He goes, man, that guy was cussing a lot. I said, yeah, he don't know I'm a pastor. But sometimes I don't like to tell people. You know why? Because as soon as I tell them I'm a pastor, they're going to quit cussing. And I'm not going to see the true person. They're going to either tell me where they went to church, where they grew up. Oh, I'm sorry, brother. I didn't know you were a pastor. Don't change who you are. Be who you are. If you're a sinner, you're a sinner. That's fine. You're not going to offend me, but you need Jesus. Right? You know, you know he was like, like man. My, my father-in-law says, he don't know your pastor. I said, no, I never told him, but he never asked. But at some point, he's going to see the fruit and realize, man, this guy never cusses. This guy kind of, something different. And at some point, after he's cussed for a long time, I'm going to break his heart and let him know, have you ever asked me what I do for a living? Because he was talking about unemployment, all this stuff, and just listen to him, right? But do, do we have a difference? Do we, do, do we walk around radiating the presence of the Lord? It's a valid question, right? You know, if we, in, in, in that passage, uh, Acts 9, 1 through 21, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this. This is another story of when Saul was on his way uh, to, to Damascus. And, you know, he was, he, was, he was still attacking Christians. He was about, you know, demonic influence, whatever you want to call it. He was murdering those who, who proclaimed Christ. This is what Saul was doing. Well, on his way to Damascus, you know, he, he, was, he was going about his business. You guys know what the story, you know what happened? All right, so here's what happened. It says that he was traveling along, and all of a sudden there was a bright light that surrounded him. And what is his response? He says, he fell to the ground and he heard the voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, if you've ever had that moment and you are not radically changed, I don't know what else you would need. Because in the presence of the Lord, you know, and the, there were some other people with them, and they, and, they, and they couldn't see it, but they heard it. You know, so we talk about this manifest presence, you know, and then, he, you know, then Saul is brave enough to say, well, who is it? What, you know, who are you, Lord? Which at least he acknowledged, acknowledged him as Lord, which would be master or something like that, you know, of a high respect, you know, which if I just got knocked off my horse and I'm laying face down surrounded by light, I'm going to say, sir, yes, sir, ma'am, yes, ma'am, whatever. Doesn't matter. I mean, you salute whatever I need to do to give you my utmost respect because I don't know what just happened. Okay? And then he, Jesus responds. He says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. He replied, now get up and go to the city where I tell you to. And he begins to instruct. And you see a tremendous change in Saul's life. It says Saul stood there speechless. Right? He heard the, you know, they heard, and then the other ones heard the sound. The men traveling with him, they heard the sound, but they didn't, you know, they couldn't see anything. You know, and it says that, and then he gives them instruction. He says, get up, go, go meet with Ananias. Read that whole passage, Acts 9, 1 through 19. Note it down, if, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Tells them where to go, you know, but in that moment of really experiencing the presence of the Lord, you know, in verse 8 it says, Saul got up from the ground, he went, and when he opened his eyes, guess what? He was blind. He could not see. Now, was that the presence of the Lord? Was it the hand of God in his life? But... He goes to Ananias who, who, who prays over him. And can you think about this? You just sent Saul. It'd be like if there was an, a, a Christian executioner around Bay City. And you just send him to the church, say, go to Pastor Noe and have him pray. I say, Bobby, bolt the door. Don't let that guy in. 
But the Lord also spoke to Ananias and said, hey, here's what we're doing. He's going to come to you. And this is what he says. He says, go to the area and says, um, but they had heard reports of what he had done. And then Ananias put his hands on him and he says, you know, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This was a transformation moment. And if we look at that, that, that the, the word in verse 18, it says, immediately something like scales from his eyes fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And then look, look what were his steps after this happened? He got up, he was baptized, and after that, taking some water and food, he regained his strength. So this guy, <laughs> he was praying and fasting he was blind. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then if we go on, then it says, you know, he spent a few days with the disciples in Damascus, verse 20, and at once he began to preach in the synagogues. I'm letting that do to my church. This guy who was crucifying Christians now was going to be used by the mighty hand of God because of an encounter of the presence of the Lord. So some of you say, man, I'm pretty bad, Noe. <laughs> you weren't this bad. Think about it, man. You know, like this, this, this was gruesome of the, gru the worst of the worst. Yet when encountered with the presence of the Lord, everything changes. So the presence of the Lord will distinguish us from all other people on the face of the earth. You know, many people ask for the presence, but do we actually know what we're asking for? Okay. So we've seen these two, these two situations you know, uh, with, with Moses that radiated, you know, and, and couldn't even see the face of God. Then you see Saul come into a counter with the manifest presence of Jesus. You know, he came back in the all glory because he was already back in heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, you know. Well, I'll fill you in if you got questions about that, how that worked. But, you know, he came back in the flesh and the glory of the Lord was radiating around him, knocked the guy off the horse. So should we really be asking for the glory of God? to come and rest in this place. To come. There's songs written about it. But do we understand what we're asking for? I think sometimes it's the mercy of the Lord not releasing His glory in the house because we're not ready for it. We can't contain it. You know, you better be pure when you come in if the glory of the Lord is going to show up. Say, Pastor Noe, I should pray before I come through those doors. Yeah, if we're asking for the glory of the Lord to show up. So we have to understand, you know, that... Um, you, you know, there's really three different categories. So there's the manifest presence, there's the physical presence, and there's the spiritual presence, okay? If I can just kind of wrap your mind around how to understand these a little bit better. So when we talk about that manifest presence, so this was the Saul Paul, this was Moses behind the cleft of the rock. This was all God, the glory of the presence of the Lord being released in the, in the you, will, you can die in the presence of the Lord in his manifest presence, okay? So in, in Scripture, it's defined as weighty, it's divine as, you know, and mo the, the most appropriate response when the glory of the Lord shows up is to lie face down on the ground. There will be no man or woman standing in the glory of the Lord. You got to push a chair out, get down. What you, you will not stand if the glory of the Lord came in this capacity. Even the sinner would be brought to his knees. Okay? So what about the physical presence? So this was Jesus in the flesh. This was the all-man side, right? The, the, the physical presence. Only those who lived during the time of Jesus really got to experience this physical presence. So this is the presence with flesh on. When Jesus walked with man, you know, he was all God, he was all man, but he was in the flesh. Right? This variable, you knew people that were around Jesus, right? But what happened all the time around Jesus? Signs, wonders, miracles conviction, all of these things were happening. But we also know that Jesus, he was also empowered by a spiritual presence. Okay? It says he was baptized by John the Baptist, and when he came up, they saw the Spirit descend and remain on. And then from that moment forward, that's when you saw Jesus begin to do the signs, the wonders, the miracles. Well, when did Saul start preaching? Before he received the Holy Spirit or after? Right? 
We see, we see that empowerment, right? So that spiritual presence, this is the Holy Spirit at work within us. So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit just doesn't come and go, but he comes and he abides within. This is something completely different than has ever been done. You know, because even on the mountaintop, when they experienced the glory of the Lord, you know they wanted to build tents and stay up there and never go back? You can't do that. You've got to go back. There's people down there that need you. And, but, you know, we as people, when we experience something great, you just want to stay there. Me and a few of, of us are going to Tennessee this next week. I tell you what, when it's time to come home, there's a little bit of me that's going to want to stay there. But what? Well, I've got to come back because I've got a church, I have people, I've got a lot of people that I'm responsible for. But it's in those moments where you just don't want to leave. You ever been on a vacation and you just don't want to leave? Maybe you're a beach person, you just get on the beach, toes in the sand, kick it, turn off, leave the phone in the truck, fall off the grid. Whatever, whatever it is for you. You know, I think finding those moments of just where you never want to leave. That's what the presence of the Lord is like. But we have to understand that in the, Old, in the Old Testament, in these Bible days, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Holy Spirit and the power of God would come and it would rest on someone and then it would leave, it would depart. But now the Holy Spirit has been given to each and every single one of us not to just come and go, but to indwell. And this was a radical change because now the Holy Spirit can live in me, can live in you, and, you know, man, what's going on? But even Jesus said, it is better that I go that I send the Holy Spirit. Because he said, it's going to even be better. I'm sure at the time, the physical presence, having Jesus around, it just was mind-boggling. I was like, I don't know what's better than this. If it can get better than this, I guess I'll trust you. But I, I'm, I'm sure there was still wanting to hold on to Jesus. But he said, what? Wait for the promise of my Holy Spirit. That'll be given, out, given, given to you. Okay? All right. So anytime you're exposed to the presence of God, you really have two responses. You change or you try to run if the Lord allows it. You know, I've heard so many stories of people that come to church and they'll either accuse me or I've heard them accuse a pastor saying, hey, did my grandma tell, tell you about me? Or did they tell you what I'm going through? Or do you know, who'd you talk to? I didn't talk to anybody. But I know the Holy Spirit knows. You know, they're so, my, my guys in, in my tech team, they are a great job. Give them a round of applause. You don't realize how much these guys do. <laughs> Upstairs, downstairs, make stuff happen every single week. If you don't even know what they do, go check out the live stream. Bringing this to life in the comfort of your home. If somebody's watching in their PJs, come back to church with us. But, you know, uh, man, it's, you know they, they make it possible, but I really think that, you know, I just think it's just watching what God is doing, being in those moments. You know, I, I really believe that, you know, I don't think he'll allow us to run. I think that the, the Holy Spirit wants us to be encountered by his presence because it's in that moment we can all change. Every sinner will kneel in the presence of God. A passage from Acts 9. Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, that name could be replaced with any of our names. You realize that? Noe, Noe, why are you? Ooh, Lord, I hope I'm not persecuting you. But the moment the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak... It's a good time to be quiet and listen to what he says. So how do we live in the presence of the Lord? Psalms 91, 1 in the NIV, it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That word dwell is defined as live in or at a specific place. It is a residing, it is dwelling, it is living in that place. To dwell. Now, I know Psalms 91, it's a favorite of a lot of people, but there's a prerequisite to receive all of that Psalm 91 promises. You're required to dwell in the shadow or the shelter of the Most High. Rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You got to stay put. You, you want to get out of the storm, you better stay in the house. You're running around outside of the house. And you're like, Lord, why are you not? Get back in the house. Get under the shelter. Get under the shadow of his wings. 
Because within that, that's where the provision, that's where the protection, that's where all of these promises come to pass. You get out there by yourself, out, you know, it's like a mama hen, you know, that'll get around the chicks, it starts raining, she kind of spreads her, they all get underneath and don't be that dumb chick that just runs off. Be like, right here was good. That's not going to work, right? You have to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Stay near to him in the most high. Rest in the shadow of his wings, okay? So the benefits, the benefits of resting in the shadow of the Almighty also ensures the promises of Psalms 91. But, it's, but it requires each of us individually to live and stay in the shelter of his presence. That's what I'm talking about. Being in his presence, staying in his presence, dwelling in his presence, living in the presence of God. Psalms 84.10 in the NIV, it says, Better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know, you got to find out, guys, that your purpose is found in the presence of God. I see so many people trying to figure life out and they're not Christians, or they don't have a relationship with the Lord. I, I don't know how you do it. Because your purpose is tied to a relationship with Christ. When that relationship is broken, you will never discover your purpose. You can settle for artificial something that's fake. Or you can, or you can choose the real thing. Man was created to be in the presence of God and nothing else will satisfy. Like I said earlier, have you ever just been in the presence of the Lord and just didn't want to leave? You know, I really believe if you have not had a God, life-shaking, rocking presence of the Lord in your life, just to where, man, you just felt a heart change or you were overwhelmed emotionally, I would ask you, have you ever really truly been in the presence of the Lord? And it hasn't greatly affected you. Now, some of us dream about it. Some of us, you know, reminisce of that one time a long time ago. But that's because we, we quit dwelling. We quit living in the presence of the Lord. And we went from one moment of an experience of being in the presence of the Lord and never went back into the shelter of his wings. And we tried to live life on our own. We're like, Lord, thank you. I'm glad I got a relationship with you. And you just go your own way. When all along you can dwell in his presence, you can be near to him. What everyone needs in their life is more of the presence of God. It doesn't matter if you're a kid, if you're a young adult, if you're an adult figuring life out, if you're a seasoned adult, or if you're a seasoned veteran of living this life. Every single one of us need more of the presence of the Lord in our lives. It'll change everything, guys and girls. So it's one thing to say God is everywhere, but it is another thing to say the Spirit of God has just entered the room. Now, what am I saying there? You know, I believe that in moments of worship that uh, the Spirit of the Lord begins to just make His presence known. Now, for those of you who are believers, guess what? He resides within us. And when we begin to sing and we begin to proclaim the goodness of the Lord, that, that, that Spirit is edified, is encouraged, and actually the praises of the Spirit will naturally come out. But those who have no relationship with Christ, it's really awkward sometimes. But, but if you could see the, the, the Spirit of the Lord just kind of going in, weaving in and out, beginning to draw in the hearts. You know, it, it, he, and he, he does it in such a subtle, real, personal kind of way. You know, but, but he's very effective. You know, I know that if uh, you'll stay in the presence of the Lord long enough, the Holy Spirit will do His work and get you. You know, I think sometimes that's why sometimes the answer is, hey, just come to church. Maybe sometimes that's all you need is just to get in the presence of the Lord. You didn't know nothing about the presence of the Lord. Maybe this morning you've experienced the presence of the Lord, but you don't have a relationship with Christ, and you're like, Pastor Noe, I feel what you're talking about, but man, I've never felt anything like it before. I don't know what to do with that. Ask Jesus into your heart. That's the first thing. Believe on the cross. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in and abide in your heart. It's nothing like it. There's no drug. There's no addiction. There's nothing that will compare to it. But the enemy wants to give you an artificial. Really, when they're really, God wants to do a complete heart change.
you know, in the presence of God, this is what causes the sick to be healed, the broken to be mended, and the lost to be found. In the presence of the Lord. I think he walks around with gifts for us every single day. Man, I call it like Saint Nick. I don't know. I mean, this is the visual I'm getting where he just walks around and you know how it's like. He always knows what you need. The perfect gift or what you've been asking for. Or what you need and you weren't asking for. Whatever it looks like, right? But, but he digs deep and he has this custom-built gift that will change everything. And we don't even know to be looking for that. And we don't even know that He has those good gifts that He wants to give us. Because we've settled for past experiences rather than a consistent lifestyle of dwelling and living in His presence every single day of our life. You know, I think when we stay in the presence of the Lord, some of the awkwardness goes away. I think a lot of people are challenged sometimes coming back to church or they haven't been to church in a while. It's guilt tripping, right? Well, I hadn't been back in like months. It's going to be awkward, man. I can't go back. Aren't you going to judge me? Just come back to church. I'm not going to judge you. You're going to, I mean, the devil's busting you up. But like, I think there's that awkwardness when there's a severed relationship or there hasn't been a time. How many of you feel guilty sometimes coming into the presence of the Lord because you hadn't spent no time with God all week? You got to kind of re-earn it and say, Lord, man, sorry, dude. Like, I don't even know where my Bible is. I hadn't even prayed. Lord, don't strike me dead. And you come to the service and you, and you hope that the relationship is good. Some of, you, some of y'all that are married, you never talked to your wife, never looked at her, never paid attention, completely separated yourself from her. And then you showed up on, on Friday night and said, hey, what are we doing? We ain't doing nothing. <laughs> like, where you been? That awkwardness, right? Of just, it's like, uh, who are you? Like, yeah, who are you? Like, this, when that relationship is broken, it just feels so awkward. But when we are close and we're knit together, and every day, every moment, our lives are intertwined, guess what? It's never awkward. But this is what God wants because, you know, when there's, the, when there's that, when that awkwardness is removed, like, I just, let me, let me go a different direction with that because it can get bad quick when I'm not careful. So with my children and that close intimacy, as long as they stay close to me, you know, everything I have is theirs. It's never awkward. Right? You know, like this morning, Samuel just grabbed my water and drank it. He didn't even ask. I just walked up and you had a water bottle. Come on. You might let me do it because I'm the pastor of the church. But deep down, you're like, man, that's awkward. I don't know this guy. I know we got a few visitors this morning. If I just came up and said, hey, let me have your cell phone. Or whatever, just something like, hey, let me see your wallet. What do you mean? I ain't giving you my wallet. Or whatever, you know, just I'm talking about, but when they're that close relationship, you realize that a lot of things are a lot more acceptable and it's not really a big deal. I didn't fuss at my son and say, why are you drinking my water? What are you, don't you? It's cool. But there's close relationship. There's intimacy. There's oneness. We are always in the presence of each other. He can't get away from dad and I can't get away from him. Not yet. Right? But that it just, it just makes it work. And I think that's what we need to pursue is the presence of the Lord. You know, I've talked about a lot about what the presence of the Lord is, but, you know, um, what should we expect of the presence of the Lord? You know, so in our personal lives, in our families, and in our community, I really believe that these are areas this year that God wants us to carry the presence of the Lord into. Not just Sundays. Don't just show up and just say, all right, we're going to be spiritual today. And all right, presence of the Lord, I need you. I'm dying. I hadn't seen you since last week. But we want to live in the presence of the Lord. In our personal life, it's a big deal that we have a close relationship, that we allow the presence of the Lord into our personal life. Your spouse will thank you for that. I promise. Your kids will thank you for that. You know, man, we're at the Kano house. Sometimes we don't always have it all together. There's times I lose my stuff and I'm yelling or whatever. There's times, sorry, Becky. There's times Becky's yelling, not in a teaching teacher kind of way, but she's mad, she's frustrated. But you know what? If she stays close to Jesus and I stay close to Jesus and I stay in his presence throughout the week, guess what? It polishes all those rough edges. I notice we don't get as angry or frustrated. And there's times I'm just like, 
I'm the smart husband. I don't say anything when my wife's in that configuration. I just look at her and smile. What I'm really thinking, though, is you need some Jesus in your life. Like, really? Like, if, I mean, it's not, I can't fix that. <laughs> Ain't nothing I can do. <laughs> hey, uh, and I just sitting there, I was like, man, my kids are getting it. Like, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> gotta go, baby. Like, I'm just out of there. But the presence of the Lord will fix all of those things, guys. We think, why do we get mad? Why are we addicted to things? Why are there things that, that, that are, like, messing up in our lives? You know, you know, stress increases and increases in life responsibility. It'll keep on snowballing. It's not going to wait And then you have a moment to be in the presence of the Lord. No, you need to get in the presence of the Lord because you're living real life and that's what you need to survive. Turn it around. You're like, well, if I get a second, Lord, I'll spend some time in your presence. You know, one goal, personal goal, I'm just going to be real honest. One personal goal that I have is to spend more personal time in the presence of the Lord. For me, that's selfish, like straight up. Like, so let me let me explain what I mean. I'm always in the presence of the Lord preparing for a message or planning or building something or whatever. I'm talking about just for me. I love you guys, but in those moments, it's about me and my relationship with the Father. But guess what? If, if Pastor Noe does that, I will be a better pastor because my relationship will be good. You know, and I've, I never understood this, I guess, till doing this full time where people say, man, I just, I, I'm always pouring out and I feel like I'm just dying spiritually. Yeah, because I am not spending personal time in the presence of the Lord. You know, those that are real close to me in the office, Cecily, my wife, and they see, they see Pastor Noe when he gets on edge every now and then. Every now and then, I got to apologize. I say, hey, sorry. Yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm irritated. I'm overwhelmed. I need some Jesus time. Like, same thing, right? You know, and they're super graceful. They said, you ain't got to tell me because the next day it might be them. Let's keep rolling through this, guys. But I'm talking about being in the presence of the Lord, you know, allowing the presence of the Lord in my personal life, in my family, setting that pace of where my kids are being exposed to the presence of the Lord. Right? You know, the story of Samuel in the Bible, it says he was raised in the temple, but yet he still did not know the Lord. And the Lord called him. He said, Samuel, he went to the prophet Levi or Eli. And he said, I didn't call you, kid. Go lay back down. Leave me alone. You already woke me up. He did this multiple times. And then Eli finally got figured out. He said, next time you hear that voice, say, hey, yes, Lord, your servant's listening. He grew up in the house, but he didn't know the presence of the Lord and had not yet known the Lord. Man, I hope that in my family, my kids growing up knowing the Lord and the presence of the Lord. You know, we, we, I know we get nervous, and I'm not there yet. I know a lot of you parents are working through those teenage years. I'm not there, but I pray to God if I can establish a baseline of the presence of the Lord in their life now, that the presence of the Lord will still be in their life then, and he will work when I cannot work, and I don't know what to do, and I think my kids are losing their mind. But if they can be in the presence of the Lord and hear the voice of the Lord, that's the atmosphere in my family that I want to build. What about community? When you go to the restaurant, do they know you're a Christian? Are you being rude and arrogant and just cruel? You know, I hear people sometimes like, take this back. I don't want that. Do you even know how to cook? I'm just like, man, like, I'm going to go over there and slap you. Come on, man. Like, even if you're not a Christian, have courtesy. Like, doesn't even, don't even try. But like, I'm talking about when you walk in a restaurant, are you praying for the presence of the Lord to just overwhelm that atmosphere? My favorite thing, man, when those... Those waiters, they got to keep coming back, especially if I'm drinking the water a lot. Hey, what's your name? You know, one thing I've been doing, you know, I try to be intentional. When they got a name tag, I call them by their name. Now, I, I know some of them, when I say their name, they're like, man, where do I know this guy from? <laughs> got your name tag. If you're wearing your name tag, I'm going to try to call you by your name. And I told my son, I said, son, listen, you know why we're calling her by her name? No, dad. I said, it's a lot more courteous and it shows we actually care about her. So I'm setting it up, right? You know, I'm asking God, man, speak to me, encourage me. And uh, the other day I was at, I'm not going to tell you where I was at, but I was at a, I was somewhere. And, and I, asked, I asked, I said, hey, do y'all work on Sundays? I'm loading it up, right? I'm a pastor. They don't know I'm a pastor, but great, right? Hey, y- y'all work on Sundays? No, we're closed on Sundays. Cool. Hey, where do you go to church? The girl stares back. <laughs> Takes two steps. Oh, man, the church did me wrong. And another girl came around the back and said, yeah, I used to go to Harvest Time with Miss Lonnie and Carrie and was just kind of sharing. I was like, oh, 
I see two whole different perspectives. So I both gave him an invite card. I said, hey, I said, give the church another try. I said, you know, and, and I just thought about it. You know, I really wanted to go back and actually apologize on behalf of the church and say, I don't want you from having a previous exposure of how the church has treated you previously to rob you of the blessing that can be that the church can be now. Now, I'm praying the other girl comes because I was like, well, where you been? Come on. If you know you need to be in church, come on. It's always better together. But I, I really think that in those moments of if when I walk in that restaurant, can I carry the presence of the Lord? Or maybe they even look at me and say, man, something's different. And they can just sense the presence of the Lord. Just acts of kindness or just in the thank you. I know everybody's walking around like this nowadays, right? But the eyes are the windows to the heart. Thank God we ain't covering our eyes up too. Because I can read people's eyes sometimes, I think, you know. You can fake a smile, but your eyes tell it all. You know, but look at people, you know, don't keep your head down. I mean, I know it's hard sometimes, but I'm talking about, man, can we just walk around in the presence of the Lord? How long have I been preaching? Okay. You ain't got my timer up there. I didn't time nothing. I don't know. Everybody's good? Somebody need to stand up and stretch and sit back down. You dying out there? You okay? Let me try to wrap up. Okay. So just like we welcome the presence of the Lord into, into our service on Sundays, we need, to, we need to invite the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Lord into our every moment, every second, every day. So the question, you know, that we need to ask ourselves is, do I really desire the presence of the Lord? Because I'll tell you what, God wants to hook you up with his presence. He wants to be near to you, but do you desire it? That's how relationships work. You realize that, right? Everybody that got married, if you didn't know that, you're going to learn that now, right? Both of you got to be invested in it. Psalms 84, 1 through 2, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Notice this passage. It uses some strong language, some strong words. I yearn for the presence of the Lord. Y'all been yearning for the presence of the Lord? Right? Your spouses, I hope you yearn for your spouse sometimes. Or a long time ago, go back. There was a time sometime. Hopefully. <laughs> What's this yearning? <laughs> you right? It's yearning for the presence, right? Or what, what about, you know, faints? You know, you're yearning, then you fall over. I mean, come on, faints for the presence? of the, Am I this passionate about the presence of the Lord? That I would faint, you know, just with, with excitement. You know, I even cry out. <laughs> Walking at work. Lord, I need you. They're going to say, this guy's lost his marbles. I'm just passionate about the presence of the Lord. But, you know, it says, you know, man, how lovely. He understood the dwelling place of the Lord. He said, how lovely was it? My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for you. Now, it's one thing for our heart, but our flesh to actually desire the things of God. You know how hard that is to do for your flesh to be in it? <laughs> how many people always plan to work out and never do? I'm one. That flesh, it ain't gonna do, unless you get it moving, it ain't going to do it. But that flesh would actually desire to work out? What are you talking about, Pastor Noe? To get your flesh involved in the process, there has to be some crazy transformation, and you've got to be a dweller of the presence of the Lord, to where your flesh and your heart actually are in sync and both desire the presence of the Lord. Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So, um... Can you imagine if we started allowing God's presence access to every area of our life? You know, and we would remember that we are all carriers of the presence of God. That's one of the last things I want to leave you with, that we are all carriers of the presence of God. So you are the carrier of the presence of God because the spirit of God is within you. So anytime you say, well, Lord, where are you? Why are you not with me? He says, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm in you. But we don't pay attention to that. We don't think about that sometimes. We're never, you know, we really are without excuse, you know, because I think of the Old Testament when God, the Spirit of the Lord would come and then would leave. And then Jesus, if Jesus wasn't in the room, he wasn't there, you know, but now the Holy Spirit is within me. So that almost leaves me without excuse that he is always with me. But I carry the presence of the Lord. So where the, you know, where I am, the Spirit of God can be released actually into the atmosphere around me. So when I'm home, the presence of the Lord is there. When I'm driving in my car, the presence of the Lord is there with me. When I walk into the restaurant, the presence of the Lord can be released.
You know, the best example I can think of, like, think about a fragrant aroma, good or bad, whichever way your mind goes with that, right? You're like, oh, I hate the smell of this, or like broccoli after it's been cooked in the house, like days later, might have been great for a moment, but it's like, oh. Or let's think about like a cologne, a, a cologne or a perfume that you really, really like. You know, so when you have that perfume on you, when, when somebody walks in the room, have you ever had that? You walk in like, ooh. You try not to ooh, like, because it's awkward, but like, you're like, hey, man, what kind of perfume are you wearing? But that smell, that aroma begins to just permeate the whole area, especially if they bathed in it, right? You know, I'm kind of sometimes like, man, how much cologne did you put on? Because I can smell you from the door, right? But that's what, that's what I am believing God for the presence of the Lord in our lives to be like. When we walk into a room, we just sense this release of the presence of the Lord and others around us since that. You know, I really think that, you know, can you imagine what would happen if we allowed the presence of God to continually be involved in our lives? What would happen if the presence of God was going to be released in our lives every second, every minute, and every moment of our life? I'm talking about when you're in a hurry, you're at the bank trying to get in, trying to get out. But what if you just slowed down a little bit and you allowed the presence of the Lord to be involved in that transaction? Because you got to understand God is always at work. He's always wanting to take those small moments that we tend to so often get in a hurry with for his kingdom's sake. One of the biggest things that have radically shaped my life is the urgency of people knowing Christ in this season. And I live right there on Skelly Road, and every weekend I see a line of cars burying somebody. You got people hurting. You got people broken. You got, you got somebody that either knew Christ or didn't. So you have a locked-in eternity, and you don't know the outcome. But if we allow the presence of God into those moments, I believe that we can really begin to release the power of his kingdom into the earth. Man, if I can rescue a handful out of the pit of hell, man, so be it. That's what I want. I I really believe that if we allow the presence of God in all those seconds, those minutes, those moments, the outcome would really be a great impact to the people in the world around us like we've never seen. What if we didn't just come into his presence every now and then, but we continually dwelt in his presence? I really believe that we would know who we are and we would know what we were created for and we would quickly begin to look more and more like Jesus. Guys, stand up with me. In the presence of the Lord, all things are made new. That transformation happens. But I believe in that, in his presence, you can quickly begin to look like Jesus. You know, I've seen that happen so many times. I've seen people who hadn't known the Lord a long time, but they've spent a lot of time in his presence. And you almost will think that they're a mature Christian and been serving the Lord for a long time. Why? Because they were in the presence of the Lord and they stayed there long enough for the change to happen. So what should our response be? I'm going to close with this passage from James 4, 7 through 10. Starting in verse 7, it says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and well. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you you up. I know some of you said, man, we went from praise to doom and gloom, Pastor Noe. But I want to tell you something. What this is, it's a positioning yourself in his presence. You can't stay at this altar forever and never leave and never go to work and never take care of your family. But you can get in this posture of positioning yourself in his presence and be transformed every moment of your day. It's a positioning. Well, Pastor Noah, what do I do with this scripture? Well, listen, what does it say? Submit myself. Lord, I submit myself to you. 
Tomorrow when Monday shows up and you're not ready for it, submit yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you ask of me, I'll do it. It says, resist the devil. You got to fight a little bit, guys. You can't be like, well, this devil made me do it. No. Fight a little bit. Remember whose you are and what God has called you to. Fight a little bit. And then it says, and he'll flee. He'll get out of there. He'll figure it out. Yell real loud in Jesus' name and see what happens. He'll flee. Come near to him and he'll come near to you. Notice you take the first step. It says, you draw near to God, I'll draw near to you. Wash your hands, purify your hearts, be desperate. Humble yourself. Just it's a spirit of it's a positioning of humility, and he'll lift you up. So position yourself in his presence. So this morning, I, man, I really believe that, you know, we knocked on the door of heaven, and I believe we were in, we were allowed to come in. Now, some of you may have stayed at the door and said, oh, no, I can't go in there because I'm not right with the Lord. Maybe there is sin. Maybe there's something you need to repent for. Maybe you know, you know it's something that, that contradicts what God's word is, but you'll never know what his rules are or what his standards are unless you read this book. I can probably preach my whole life, and I, and I don't know if I can do it justice. You got to read it yourself. Get in the word. But let's live a life that welcomes the presence of the Lord in. That when he says, hey, come and sup with me, come near me, come, at, come to my banqueting table and let's spend some time together. That your life is right. You know, those who are in Christ, it says we are the righteousness of Christ. That means we are in right standard, right positioning. You know, when God looks at us, He sees the blood of Christ. He doesn't, look, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see us how we see ourselves. But He says, let us boldly approach His throne of grace with what? Fear and trembling? Or does it say confidence? Confidence, right? You mean I can boldly come in as a son and daughter of the King? Absolutely. Now, if there's any here this morning saying, Pastor Noe, I, I really need to get things right. I need to, man, I've been really feel like I've been convicted this morning, maybe about something specific, maybe something just general, or maybe you just know you just need to come back. You know, one thing I love about Father God, when I mess up or I got so much stuff on my plate, I'm just like, Lord, can I just have a free do-over? You been there? Can I just start over? And he says, absolutely. And he meets me right where I am. So this morning, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to release you. If you need specific prayer this morning, uh, just want to, we want to have some altar call time. If, if you want specific prayer, just come on up. we got prayer teams and people that will pray for you. But if you're good, I want you, before you leave this room, say, Holy Spirit, let your presence go with me from this place. You're going to go eat somewhere. It's either going to be in your home or you're going to go to a restaurant. Start there. Say, Holy Spirit, I want your presence here. Start being aware of his presence. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one here. Father, I thank you that in, in your presence, Father, we begin to know who we are. And Father, we begin to know what our purpose is. So God, we ask that if, as, as we come near to your presence, Lord, that you would just make us more like you. Father, help us to every single day find that place of your presence. Father, I thank you that your presence not only goes with us, Father, but is within us. Father, we just release your Holy Spirit within us to be an impact to the world around us. But God, we do choose to position ourselves in your presence. Let us not go from this place if your presence doesn't go with us. Father, for each one here, I pray you bless them this week, that you'd strengthen them, that you'd encourage them. Father, I pray that you'd give them the boldness and the strength to be all that you've called them to. Father, I thank you that the work that you begin in us, Lord, Father, you bring it into completion. So, Father, we leave this place with high expectations of experiencing your presence throughout the rest of this week. We submit to you. We say, do what you want to do. 
Father, let your kingdom come to earth. And your will be done, not my will. On earth, God, just like it is in heaven, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.